Like if I said to you, Conan, what would you say back to me to describe it? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speech Check. I'm Sam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 15. And today we're going to talk about Half-Life Alex, the culling, and our quarantine goals, whether we set them, whether we beat them, and what we did about them. But before we talk about it, any of that, Matt, what have you been playing? I have been playing quite a few games, actually, over the last couple of weeks. Kind of diversified, spread out, went back through my, my Steam library to see what I had knocking about. And, uh, out of interest. Oh, go on. Do you have an expansive Steam library like most of the people I know? It seems like people have like thousands of games that you download I, and just never get ready to play. I think I have about 300 games. Okay, that's that's pretty modest from what I know of the, of the Steam users. It's not I'm acquainted all, with. Yeah, they're not all like full price either. Like a lot of them are um, smaller titles or or free stuff. Like I I, I pick up free games. Uh, I have mm. two hundred and twenty one games, and okay, one hundred and twenty three tools, and I have sixty eight videos. Apparently, what the hell are they? I'm just looking at my oh. Steam right now. Oh, okay. Oh, Steam Dev Days. Okay. Nah. Anyway, I'm gonna stop looking at my Steam continue talking to you about what i was saying uh yeah i went back through um went back through steam library and i'd recently seen a youtuber who had modded the ever-loving hell out of new vegas and added a bunch of new weapons and some new functionality in into the game and that kind of piqued my interest a little bit so i reinstalled new vegas got all these mods and i spent more time modding it than playing it modded mm. it was a it was an ordeal it was fun when i got them all working like i had a sprint button in new vegas which was cool uh i had a slow down time function that would like use up your action points which is also cool okay there's a uh how do you describe it there was like a a realistic pistol animation mod where you couldn't hip fire well, in fact, you couldn't hip fire any gun. Whenever you would fire a gun, it would like bring it up to like a half iron sight pose, so you could play without a HUD, but still see where you were shooting accurately and stuff. And that was also it was all pretty cool. There were a bunch of different graphical mods in there as well. And I got about two hours in before my frame rate started tanking, and then I started crashing all over the place. And I oh. thought, you know what, I might as well just play Fallout Four. No, before... Is New Vegas like? Sorry, is New Vegas? notorious for being very difficult to mod it's not quite rigid in its structure it's not difficult to mod i think it's i think comparative to other games from other studios i suppose what what i should say because bethesda games seem to be easier to mod than 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 other games it's okay to mod it but it's just not the most stable of games like the, the the base game itself at least on pc had a problem with crashing for a while i don't know if if it had the same problem on on console I remember it well. It's part and parcel on it with uh, anything from Bethesda, but you, I had a few "quote unquote" crashes where you just get either get stuck in a loading screen, or we talked before about you know couldn't go to certain places in in Fallout Three. So mm-hmm. it was, I think it was a pretty across the board thing. It wasn't just PC. Yeah, you just get like a sometimes on PC you just get a hard crash and like kick back to desktop. So it's, it's not the most stable of games, but it is easy to mod. I, I mean, I had fun playing it while it was working and 
after playing it for a while, I kind of started to appreciate how many quality of life changes were introduced into Fallout 4 and how much better it was from a player experience standpoint. So I went into Fallout 4 and then I got a bunch of other mods for that and that has a that has an inbuilt mod manager for PC. I'm not sure again if it's the same on console. Sure, it does actually, yeah. If it does, is, man, it's I, surprising. I've got a big old list I can recommend to you if you fancy getting back into it and uh, playing around with some. I'll, I'll definitely take a look at it. Yeah, there's there's a few that were awesome. Like um, there's a what was it called? Weapons of the New Millennium, I think it was, or modern modern military. It just adds a whole bunch of kind of realistically modeled the animations are a bit jank but the the models of the guns themselves are, are good but they're, they're like realistic modern military guns and they have all of the realistic modifications that those guns have so you've got about like 20 different kinds of scope like six different kinds of rail like under barrel attachments it was awesome and also a bow like the i love the bow mod the bow was awesome it made it feel like uh, far cry fallout it was it was fun but after playing playing for a bit with all the mods on i started to feel a little bit like i was cheating because the balance was wasn't really there like with the modern military guns there the ammo is rarer but they're much better than the standard guns in game so if you just do a good job conserving your ammo you can kind of walk certain certain sections it just it, it kind of messes with the the prog- the progression of the game a little bit so I went back and started an unmodded game where I'm using melee and a big guns. Are you going for the... Oh, is it Blitz? Is that what it is? That's the boss. That's what you need to work towards, right? To, to break not. the game. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to do all of my fights in, in real time, in first person. So like, I'm, I'm trying to like engage with their melee system, like blocking, counterattacking, and it's... You're actually trying to play the game. Might, yeah. Interesting. I don't think Bethesda planned for anyone to do that. You might be the first one. <laughs> to just to not intentionally try and uh, power game it and cheese it out. No, I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm trying to trying to play it. Like I've got some got some nucks, got some brass nucks. If I see someone with a pool cue, I'll flip out my nucks and we'll have a little we'll have a little brawl about it. But yeah, it's it's fun using two of the most underrepresented class of weapons in the game. Like I was really disappointed with how they handled melee in fallout 4 because it's only about six different melee weapons in the game and yeah and, and only also two you of them can't use them really good in a power in power armor can you uh i remember you can use like a super sledge only the oh um not sorry not melee unarmed oh yeah no unarmed you can't though no. yeah you can't use so i'm not i'll tell you what i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna get into that into that rant uh, but yeah, I'm trying to use unarmed and big guns and just see how far I can go with it. See what interesting path it takes me down. See how I can, uh, how I can, uh, you know. I remember on New Vegas, because there was an, uh, an achievement for basically like every weapon category to do 10,000 damage with each of the weapons. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of forced you to experiment a little bit. And I remember not really because I just kind of didn't, didn't give any credence to unarmed. And then I remember I got a power fist and it was awesome. Like you just go up to people, just punch them, their heads just explode. Mm. The, the and it was just, a, I was like, it made me feel like I'd missed out because it was like, I'd finished all the main game stuff and I was just wandering around post game. 
and I was probably over level to hell anyway. But yeah, I, was, I feel like I missed out when I was going around doing that. I was like, oh, I should have used this on my, you know, from the word go. The unarmed options in in New Vegas were much better because you had the, the power fist was one option. Then you had I, I can't remember exactly what it was called. I know that some members of the Legion had it and it was like a shotgun fist and you'd punch and it had like two barrels on top of it and it would shoot shotgun shells as you hit. And then you had the repulsor glove as well that would like push people away when you punch them. And you had the whole, had um, the, uh, the perks you could get. Paralyzing palm. You had the ranger takedown oh, yeah. if you do a power attack and move would... backwards and you could like sweep their legs. I suppose that was... The unarmed thing in four was, I guess, a probably deliberate thing to put you towards using power armor, right? I don't know. I I think that they had they just had better developed guns, like the whole pipe gun and the, all the rest of them. They had a lot of mods for them, so you could more easily engage with the modding system, the like gun creation mm-hmm. stuff. Whereas for them, yeah. melee and unarmed, they didn't really have too many ideas. It seemed no, there was like. You could do stuff for the... Well, it wasn't too bad because you could put, like, spikes and stuff or you could make it radioactive, but, yeah, unarmed. And there's just nothing there's, for like... unarmed, like... No, you could... I think there was maybe, like, one mod and that was it. And maybe that was, like, maybe spikes. Yeah, you either get spikes or heavy. Those are the two the two things that seem to come up with as unarmed. Tell you what else I had in New Vegas. Boxing gloves and boxing tape that did fatigue damage. So you could, you could actually knock people out. Yeah. That... How cool is that? That's cool. Yeah, just, that just is just cool. Little aside, but yeah, lots of mods for the Fallout games, and they sometimes break because of it. So that's been fun. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Binding of Isaac Rebirth, which is just a huge roguelike time sink that I quite enjoy. I played the original Binding of Isaac when it came out a lot, so getting back into it is kind of fun. A bit of a nostalgia trip. Then I also downloaded Conan Exiles while it had its free weekend, which was last week, and was thoroughly disappointed. I have no idea yeah. why it's a you Conan not, game. You were not impressed. I just don't understand. What, you, you get the Conan license, and what, what do we know Conan for? Like, if I said to you, Conan, what would you say back to me to describe it? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. Precisely. <laughs> you want you want action, right? You want like yeah. sword and board pseudo mystical action, but it's a survival game and it's a really really slow grindy survival game even by survival game standards. So I got Oh, also, weird thing, you can be naked in that game. Right? Oh, with a full flailing penis. Full full frontal nudity. Like you you start off being crucified and then Conan like saves you and you you're in the desert and you can choose whether you're a little naked. <laughs> he's, he's like, well, I'm naked. Are you going to don't make this weird? Yeah. You, know, you also must be naked. If we get naked together, then it's less strange. There's, yeah. Then that, that's the new norm. So you, you're like on this cross, like making your character and it's like, would you like to be naked? And like, uh, <laughs> a little winky face. <laughs> and then you can choose your endowment because I was a guy. So I could no. like give myself a, yeah, it has a, has a slider for endowment. I'm not even kidding. So I could have had a, I could have been like, I don't know, wow, that's chopping like down trees with my heavy cust- penis. Customization. Yeah. Throw it over your shoulder like a scarf. Yeah, if it gets too cold at night, you know. <laughs> yeah. Curl it up under my head. <laughs> like Greninja. 
<laughs> oh god so yeah it wasn't great i played it for maybe three hours or so and was like i'm getting absolutely nothing out of this like no enjoyment and then i was like oh i remember ark being a survival game that i kind of enjoyed a little bit and i hadn't played it since 2015 and my memory was wrong so i <laughs> uninstalled them both ark is just i i tried to play in like three different servers and i would spawn and something with one time i spawned and a dinosaur literally killed me instantly <laughs> like i i just got through the cutscene where the dude like looks at his arm and like rubs this little crystal and i like put my hands down to like look at the world and there was like the, there was a carnivore like sprinting full force at me straight <laughs> away oh, uh, oh. mistakes are made i'm i'm like level one nude on the beach i don't think i stand much of a fucking chance <laughs> you only play was that a theme you only play games where you were nude yeah i just kept being naked that day i was just there was lots of nudity going around <laughs> and the second server i get into I, I you know i punch a dodo to death steal its eggs every, <laughs> everything's going great <laughs> well apart from not for the dodo not for the yeah. dodo he wasn't having a good time but i got i got well i guess if i got his eggs it was a her you were like you're meant to be extinct <laughs> i get the eggs I'm, I'm messing around you know i have a little drink on a river then a man in in full knight regalia with a spear <laughs> fucking spears me to death i have nothing is for it... him to take yeah Just... is it not like that that's what confuses me about like those kind of games so not criticize anyone that does but for me coming in from a newbie point of view unless you've got in from day one those people are just a, at such a superior advantage that and all it becomes is you find someone, you kill them immediately. You just, you just want to exert your dominance. Yeah, in some, in some servers, there are people that are set up like little fortresses near the known spawn points. And they'll wait for new people to jump into the server and then like snipe them out with an AK. And then just like, you know, just wait. Wait there and kill anyone that comes but in. How is that a good time? I, I don't know. I, I, I quickly uninstalled them both anyway. I, I was just like, you know what? I think survival games as a genre, maybe they're just not for me. <laughs> I'm always naked and I, I'm always dying. It's just not, yeah, not a great it's not time. not a good time. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's, fair that's what I've been up to. Uh, what, what, what have you been doing, Sam? What's going on for you? Well, the main thing, I've been fully clothed, by the way, when, I, when I've done my games. I do not um, me. Yeah. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, was looking for another game to get stuck into. And I remember that GTA 4 had some single-player stuff that I hadn't done in it yet in the second expansion, which is called The Ballad of Gay Tony. I don't know if you know anything about that or GTA 4, Matt. No. But... I mean, I know, I know of GTA 4. I played, played through it, but I don't know about that DLC. It's, it's pretty much the same game. It's just, to be fair, GTA 4 had a thing where there was a storyline or the about probably two-thirds of the way through, there's a main storyline where there's like a deal for diamonds that goes down. And the main game is one perspective, and then the two expansions are each other person's uh, perspective that is involved in that. Okay. So it's quite cool to see how they all link up and what happens to each of those people. But I got back into that, and I... The main goal was to... So in that expansion is where they brought in... As far as I know, correct me, anybody in the comments, if, if this is wrong, but they brought in... One, the, the ability to replay missions again. You just scroll on your, your in-game phone and pick a mission. But they brought in the scoring. So there was like objectives within the mission, like 
finish in a certain time, a certain amount of headshots, restricted damage, stuff like that. And then maybe like a unique one for that mission. Okay. And there's there's two achievements, one to get over 80% and then one to get 100% on all of them. And getting that, I eventually did that last night, which was, which was satisfying, but it, it brought to light just how bad GTA 4 was, like, to, to experience. The, the driving is awful. It's like you're on ice the whole time. I don't know if they were going for, like, realistic driving, but it just feels so heavy. It feels like why you would want to put simulation-esque driving in an open-world arcade kind of game, mm. I don't know. Because that just doesn't feel good for anybody. Like, no one wants to have to worry about really driving in that, in that experience. That's not why you play GTA. Yeah, I I hear you. So or any kind of uh, open world game, like you know, like the driving in like Far Cry is pretty trash, but it's it's serviceable. You can work, you can make it work. Mm. So when you Sorry, say it's not a, a it's not a not a great experience, is that comparative to GTA Five because you've had that experience now, so you kind of have a your your benchmark has changed, or do you reckon on its own standalone well, of the time, it's not that great? I think even then, I think because there was no... That was the first GTA that came out then on a... What, we we eighth generation now? So the seventh generation. So that was 360. So there hadn't been one. Well, a mainstream one. You can, you can argue what mainstream is in GTA, but they had Liberty City and Vice City Stories, which were the PS2. They were originally PSP and then got bought to PS2. Mm. And they were fine. Like, I can play GTA 3 now and... The, the center of gravity on the vehicles is a bit weird, but it works. You can play Vice City, and it works, and it's good, and you know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I've, it's, it's weird, because I feel like I was just, people just wanted GTA at that point, and I was, what, however old in 2007, 15, 16? So I think you, you were maybe blinded by the fact that it was just another GTA. And it's just it's, the whole thing just doesn't work well. It feels really heavy, feels really clunky. Anyone who has played GTA 4 but not for a while, go back and play it and let me know what you think of that because it was, it was, it just wasn't fun. I think that was the main thing about it. Nothing about it felt good. I think that's the main difference. GTA 5 is light years ahead of what that game is mm. in almost every aspect. But yeah, I don't know if they were going for like a, a gritty feel about it, mm-hmm. but yeah, not a lot about it is enjoyable. And I think that's the main thing that stood out for me. Okay. But regardless... I got that done now. I don't have to play that anymore. There's some multiplayer stuff I can do that doesn't kind of revolve around that. But yeah, the fact that the game didn't work very well is what made getting some of the mission requirements not easy. Mm-hmm. So that's when something's made difficult by the fact the game is very good, that's what kind of that irks me more than, than it being like my own failings. Frustrating. So, yeah. Yeah. There was a time where I was just trying to get back in a, in a helicopter. And because the, the helicopter wasn't like exactly level, so you, you press Y to get back into it, and he does this weird kind of like, it was like there was this weird thing blocking him where he couldn't get in it, and mm-hmm. he just did this like weird dance <laughs> where he was like going away from it and then like kind of crab walking to the side and then going around it, and then eventually he just got in it. I was like, okay, so there wasn't a problem. It just, yeah, just a game here shit. Other than that, uh, I've been playing Red Dead 2 again. I finished the Stranger Missions, which is okay. a thing in uh, all Rockstar games where you just meet. They just have people that you meet and do stuff with. They're just 
they just just side missions basically for within the Rockstar realm of open world games. They're usually more fleshed out. They usually like you get to know the people, and you do. Generally, that person has like a almost their own story progression. So you don't just necessarily do one. You do maybe three, four, maybe even five missions for them. Mm-hmm. That was an achievement itself. So I did that. I enjoyed that. Uh, I did more hunting. Okay. Which it's nice that I can just play the game. I think, do you know what? I'm just going to go hunt for some beavers. It's got that and that layered engagement, and you can pick how how deep you want to jump into that experience, right? Yeah, and I think the I mentioned it before where it, I felt at the beginning quite overwhelmed by all the stuff that was available. But if you break it down and just think, right, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. In each of your play sessions. You can, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I felt like I enjoyed it more in that way by going, okay, in this, my goal is to just achieve this, or it's a, I'm just going to go to a town and kill myself out, buy weapons, buy items, provisions, blah, 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 that kind of stuff, or I'm going to go in, I'm going to hunt for this, because my main thing was that I wanted to get the satchels, which is just, you, you can just carry more stuff. Okay. And to do that, you need certain uh, animal skins. But you also need perfect animal skins. So you can find an animal and they just are either poor, good, or perfect. Oh, that's kind of a bit, a bit of chance you don't really want. Yeah, so not ideal. So you can be searching for a while sometimes until you find a perfect one. But on top of that, if you don't kill the animal properly with the correct weapon, you damage the pelt. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I, I couldn't remember whether it was... Red Dead 1 or one of the Far Cry games, but if you you kill stuff with a bow, then it comes out as, like, I think perfect. I think it's Far Cry, yeah. And if you kill it with a gun, then it's, like, a ruined pelt? Yeah, so there's certain things that, like, big animals, like bears, cougars, moose, clean shot to the head with, like, a, a rifle, fine. But if you're, if you're going to shoot a rabbit with, like, a, an explosive weapon, <laughs> you're just going to annihilate it, mm. so... So yeah, that's it. I've got that now, and so I've got the the, the game breaking satchel because you can carry ninety nine of anything. Nice. It makes it it makes a bit of a jump because you like you can only wear one satchel at a time, so you don't get more upgrades. It's like you can wear this satchel and you can carry more tonics, stuff that like heals you or gives you more stamina or whatever. Or you can carry this one, which you can carry more like loot, so you can sell. The final satchel just lets you carry ninety nine of anything. So that was my main thing. So Fair I've enough. got that, and that was my little, yeah, that was my little distraction. But I've done that now, and I can actually go on to do another stuff. I also made a Google sheet that I think I showed you of oh, yeah. studying skinning animals, because there's an insane amount of animals in that game. And they are tracked within the compendium in the game, but it just navigating to that menu can be a bit of a ball ache every single time. So I just made a Google sheet and, and just taken them off as I go. As a, as a quick reference, it's uh, it's dedication when you're making external notes on a game. That's when you know you're you're in deep. It's it's satisfying to do. Obviously, I'm doing it more because I I'm into achievements and all that stuff. But it's it's good to have that level for me. There's a good feeling about having that level of organization about it. But it's what it is. But yeah, that, that's what I'm playing. Welcome to the circus of value. So that's what we've been playing. 
but Matt, tell us about the releases. I will now do exactly that. Our first release is a callback. We're revisiting a game from episode 11. We covered a, we kind of did like a preview of Predator Hunting Grounds coming at us from Ilphonic, and it was finally released the 24th of April 2020. This is an asymmetrical multiplayer game where one person plays the Predator and four other players play the fire team. Not entirely dissimilar from the original movie where you have a set of marines set loose in the jungle and they have to complete some objective and the Predator turns up and starts hunting them. If you want to hear... I have a quick question, sorry. Do you know, can you pick the skins of the original fire team? No. Oh, then but, what is the point? But I will get to something. I'll get. I'll, I'll, Sorry, it's going to come up. Go so it's going to be a little treat for you coming up. So I was going to say, anyone who wants to hear more about the beta and my first impressions, uh, episode eleven is the one to go to for that, and that'll be just a, the the lead up to this, the prequel, as it were. So, Predator, Fire Team, you're in like a jungle map. The Fire Team have to kind of do Far Cry-esque missions in this map environment. It'll be like, uh, destroy some drugs or um, kill a gang leader or stop. The, there's like a, a group of people called the, the I think this Team Stargazer and they're trying to hide the fact the Predator exists and you're kind of in direct opposition to them. So you have to complete some objectives relating to that and then get to your exfiltration point. Meanwhile, the predator in the trees, he's hunting you. Or she, you can pick a female predator model, should you so choose. Very progressive, well done. Mm-hmm. And you, as a predator, your objective is to rip out the spines of the fire team. That's pretty much uh, all, all it comes down to. This is... So I, I, played the, I played the beta, it was free, and I watched through the reviews and I ended up picking this up with a I had a discount code, so it was about 21 quid. And it was definitely worth that. I'm having great fun with it because it's so true to the original film. And this is something I mentioned in the the, uh, the beta first look as well. Like the sound effects, the sounds of the predators, like clicking, roars, the, the swipe of the thermal vision, the sound the cloak makes when you turn invisible. If you step in water, you start like crackling. And it sounds just like from the movie, the fire team at any point can mud up so they can cover themselves in mud and then it's harder for the predator to track them. There's just so many like little nods here and there to the movie and they've they've handled they've handled the source material really well, which doesn't surprise me from Ilphonic because they did the same uh, for Friday the 13th, which is a previous asymmetrical game. And they did a little bit of work on Evolve as well, I believe. But oh, Okay, I didn't, I didn't know they did Friday the 13th, but that was, from what I knew, that was... All right, at, at worst, at worst. I right. think it it picked the wrong niche. It ended up directly competing with Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight, yeah. Dead by Daylight is so good. Yeah, it, it, it's just play, it's playing second fiddle to a really great horror game, and it's not bad. It's just an okay game, but this is definitely a step up uh, from what I've seen on Friday the Thirteenth and, and Predator Hunting Grounds. It's it's definitely a step up. There are a few. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of talking this game up right now, like it's completely amazing. 
there's there's a little bit of jank here and there. Uh, there's a few bugs to do with the Predator, like climbing trees and stuff. Sometimes that can stop. Sometimes your stamina doesn't come back quickly if you do certain things in a certain order. So there's, there's little bits of tweaking, ironing out that need to be done. And as the fire team, uh, the NPCs, there's kind of like environmental NPCs as well that are like guarding these outposts. And their AI is pretty terrible. Like it's it's quite bad, but... It, in a way, that's not a bad thing. Because if, if they had really great AI, it would just make it too hard to fight the Predator at the same time. They almost need to be like, a, almost like, um, an, like an environmental challenge, if, if you see what I mean. Less like really smart, coordinated enemies. I think it would just be too mm. hard otherwise. And they do provide enough of a challenge. Like they, they harass both the Predator and the fire team, but the fire team are usually in direct, in, in direct competition with the with the gorillas mm. i it, i'm just having tons of fun with it you know there's no there's no microtransactions there's in-game currency that is doled out pretty generously you do get loot boxes but all of that is cosmetic you unlock weapons as you level up and weapon attachments as you level up weapons kind of like a battlefield sort of system but they're all level gated you don't buy any of them or anything which is nice refreshing I really hope they don't open up some kind of store for that currency and they just keep it all in-game because I think that would just wreck it. It's pretty old school then about how it goes about an in-game economy. Yeah, everything's everything's housed within the game and I think that's a really great choice. Maybe earlier on in the development they were thinking of having some kind of more Fortnite-y style thing going on but because of the recent, you know... There's been a lot of recent negative press around microtransactions, so maybe they decided mm. to make it all in-game. And I don't know. I'm, spec- oh, I'm you're, speculating. You're, you're foreshadowing the news there, Matt. I love okay. it. Oh God, the reincorporation is mad. So yeah, it's it's a good game if you like Predator, like the Predator expanded universe. One hundred percent get it because it's so faithful. It's like. Playing the Predator is like Predator Simulator. And there's nothing better than going up against other humans. Like you had um, the recent AVP game came out in what, like 2015, I want to say. There was one for the Xbox 360. I can't, I think it was just called uh, AVP. AVP. I think it was a bit earlier than that, but yeah, it was, it was kind of in that vein. Yeah. You had, you had AVP where you could play Predator and that did it pretty well. And then you had like ages ago, you had um, Alien vs. Predator 2 for the PC, which was like a really big uh, a, a big game for a lot of Aliens and Predators fans because that quite faithfully handled uh, playing, particularly the Alien and the Marines. So this is a this is a really get great Predator simulator. And you've got Alien Colonial Marines, of course. Oh yes, yes, uh, and and the film The Predator. Oh God! Do you know what this this game has inspired me to watch through like the series of Predator films again? And I was talking with Fran about it actually. And I was saying how, like, I've, I haven't seen Predator 2 that much with um, Danny, Danny, Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah, he, he's kind of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger stand-in. But then it, I don't know what happened because the second one was, like, not as good as the first, but still okay. And then you got Predators, which was, like, in a different vein, but still all right. And then the Predator was just so bad. Like, so, so bad. I don't know what they... <sighs> I remember the day after you saw it, you came into work and you were like heartbroken. It's like you've just broken up with the Predator. He's such a cool concept for a villain, like a villain alien. 
it's so he's he's like an iconic piece of pop culture and imagine some bigwig comes to you and gives you the rights to to you know work within that universe you're like all right okay i'm gonna put absolutely no effort into this whatsoever and (laughs) just your direct response to what he says yeah that's what it felt like in the movie the most insulting part was at the very end i'm gonna spoil it because there's no if you watch it you're just gonna laugh all the way through anyway at the very end, they discover some like predator secret thing that's like fallen to earth, and it's just a predator suit that like kills other predators or something. It's just so dumb and lazy and poorly thought out. And people overlook how well written the original Predator is as a movie. You don't actually see the alien until about 40 minutes in. 45 minutes it's just like a, a war movie up until that point and even even then don't you you just see it as the the invisible quote-unquote version of it right you don't actually see the proper predator until like the very end yeah it's, it's like when he's, when he's standing over arnie you get the um you know you see his active camo and you get the the view from his perspective so yeah you, you can, get the thermal yeah you know that they're being watched by something and it doesn't it it's not quite from dust till dawn levels of like a, a a flip where you're watching a heist crime movie that becomes a vampire film in like the mm. 80th minute or something but it, it is it has like low sci-fi elements and then it just builds and builds and builds and the characterization is really good as well like that helicopter scene at the beginning is iconic for a reason it's in like five minutes you get a really great i'm I'll tell you what let's stop talking about the predator <laughs> this has become a film podcast yeah because i could go in i i really like i like the predator i'm I'm just a fucking nerd aren't i so i I like sci-fi shit predator hunting grounds if you like predator games and films and the expanded universe get it it's not too expensive it's just kind of like i think it's 34 quid for the regular edition no point in getting the digital deluxe edition because it's just in-game cosmetics and looping back to the point i said earlier about you asked if you could play as the original fire team there is a DLC coming out this month, actually, supposedly, that introduces Dutch back into the game, oh. back into the, the, the universe, and Arnie reprises his role. Oh, what? Is he, he provided, like, voice work? Yeah. Oh, what a legend. He's such a good man. You know There's no greater human being alive <laughs> than Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of sweet as well, because he, he's, like, old Dutch. So he's not, it isn't like they've, they've sure, taken him I from... Saw, like a character model of him, and yeah, they, he's not like Dutch in the original Predator. He's like, yeah, let's say he's like old man Dutch. So he's like grey hair, and he's a bit more modelled on what Arnie looks like now, visually. Yeah, and he's got... Um... At least facially, definitely not bodily. <laughs> he's got um, he's got scars from a Predator net as well on his face. Of like... A little bit of added detail for you. But yeah, it picks up like his story, what happened to him. Apparently, after the jungle, he went away, started to like look out for signs of the Predator coming back. He arrived in Predator 2 too late to help Danny Glover. So he uh, instead just picked up all the artifacts he could from there and then made some kind of team that goes around hunting Predators. And that like... In the game, you find like uh, audio logs that explain his journey after Predator One. So I'm excited okay. to do so all they that. Went, they went in on it. Yeah, he has a whole backstory. They've they've written it. Apparently, they submitted it to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the reason why he came back to be Dutch is because he they 
he liked what they did with the character. I tell you what, if you wrote that, you've got to feel so good that you're like, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger read that and loved it. And, and now I he's back. That. And now we're working with him. He's reading the voice yeah. lines. Oh, you did it. You said he's back. Oh. <laughs> Jerry, that was which, isn't, which isn't from that film. But it doesn't matter. Okay. Let's Let stop talking about this. Let's move on. Can this subscribe could just go to on. our Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast. Yeah, that's another, another offshoot we could do with the, the Arnie podcast. Okay. Predator Hunting Grounds. Good game. Pick it up. It's fun. Needs balancing. Needs more content. But that's coming. There's a roadmap. Everything's great. Next release. Let's move straight on. Half-Life Alex, developed by the Valve Corporation, released March 23rd, 2020. This is going to be a bit of a short one because it pretty much just is as good as you think it is. 10 to 15 hours of well-crafted story building experience. It expands City 17. You get to view it from a different perspective, namely VR. They've got you know, your, your, your hands have weight in the environment. They, they knock stuff over. You can interact with basically everything. You have, instead of the gravity gun, because this is set five years before Half-Life 2, so the gravity gun hasn't been developed yet. You have gravity gloves, which are less powerful, but it's a really, really neat thematic way to allow you to just pull stuff from the environment towards you. Yeah, basically everything that you think would be in a Half-Life VR game is here, except for the driving sections, because, you know, Nobody wants that in VR. Yeah. It centers around uh, pistol gunplay. So all of the weapons that you get are are modeled after pistols, I suppose. So you have like your standard handgun. Then there's like a shotgun that looks like a pistol. And then there's a little like PDW kind of SMG type thing. And they have an emphasis on reloading, which I think is quite common in first person VR shooters where you have to like actually take the magazine and like put it in. So that, that it's like an extra layer of difficulty if you're having a gunfight with someone and you actually have to put the magazine in and cock it and then, you know, a bit more involved in just pressing R, which what we're most used to. If you're going to be in VR, right, you, you've got to think of how you can VR everything in your game. Mm. So that, it makes sense that you would do that. And it probably feels really satisfying to do and do well. Apparently so. Uh, and the, that's, that's one thing that a lot of people have said is that the, the feel of the environment is great the environment just feels very real you feel very grounded in it and the haptics if you play this on the uh valve index you get really great haptic uh support which the, the <laughs> surprise index. price yeah although it does work it, it runs on almost all uh standard vr headsets so if you've got an oculus or uh, uh a vive it'll still work for you it just it's best suited for the index if you've got a thousand pounds knocking around spare you know just just lying around yeah in a global pandemic where people are like being made redundant left right and center yeah i'll just spend a grand on a on a headset it's just uh, it's interesting because this is a good game 10 to 15 hour campaign what, I've, what i'm seeing for a vr game that's pretty good super high uh detail environments you're encouraged to think creatively so you know smash that window and throw something through it or pick up this box and block some shots or open, you know, you see, in fact, you saw it in the trailer where um, the player opened a car door to block some shots and then closed it and shot around with a pistol after that point. Like you, thinking creatively and using your environment is rewarded and Valve have really taken what you can do in an environment to, to, the, to the nth degree, you know what I mean? Like you've, it, mm. They've really tried to plop the player 
into this experience. And done a good job of it. It's getting good reviews for a good reason. Personally, this might be blasphemy, but I'm not a huge Half-Life guy. I've, play, I've, I've played Half-Life 2. I've played through most of Half-Life 1. I understand why they're important for gaming, but they're just... I just never really engage with them that much. If you like Half-Life, you probably already have this. It's a great game. If you have a VR headset, it's probably worth just picking up because I think, kind of like Boneworks, it's one of those games that really exemplifies what can be done with this technology, which not many games are doing right now. You know, they're, they're not, I don't know, getting... Pushing the boundary, I guess, of what VR can actually do is kind of a, it's kind of become a bit cookie cutter. Yeah, like you just stand stock still and zombies run at you and you just shoot them or something you know what i mean it's there's a lot of just or, or basic physics puzzles i don't know there's a lot of crap basically there's a lot of people who are just producing something that has gimmick novelty value and maybe like an hour's worth of gameplay and then it's done but mm. this this is a full game that is tailored to vr and i i think it's it's an exciting step for vr but that's all it is in my opinion is a step i'm still not a huge supporter of vr either so if I may, I uh, so we actually have very similar viewpoints on both VR and Half Life. Okay, I think Half Life, you're definitely into it more if you started on like PC. And I know you're a PC guy now, but correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't like raised on PC necessarily. That's something you've like developed as you've got older, right? Yeah, it like was, PC uh, gaming in general. Yeah, it was TF2 that pushed me to PC. Yeah. So, which, you know, I guess technically connected to it, but it's not actual Half-Life. Hmm. Yeah, so, I, and I have uh, the Orange Box. So I, I haven't played, seen it played, but I've not played one or like any of the expansion ones, mm-hmm. like Blue Shift or anything like that. And very much like you, I appreciate what they are and like the importance they hold for people within gaming, but I'm not like, I'll probably... If I had VR, I would play this and probably think it was a great game, but this isn't something that's going to make me buy a VR headset, but I don't think anything would. So that's not a discredit to Alex. It probably is a great game, and Valve make great games, great Half-Life games, great Portal games. Hmm. But it's, I don't know, it's not a must-have for me. So yeah, yeah I'm, still... I'm the same, yeah. Yeah. Although, do you know, Boneworks... With nearly inspired me to get a a headset boneworks looks absolutely amazing but again i just can't it just takes me back to the connect i don't know whether i'm too old but like mm. i've you know I, I had a balance board i had a wee balance board i had a connect i had an eye toy i just it, it like we've been sold this many times yeah like I've, I've you've seen it before i'm not i don't know it just doesn't i think the next the next movement in gaming will sell itself and it won't need to be sold so hard you know what i mean like nobody yeah, was I, I fighting about controllers when controllers became a thing it was like oh of course this is a better way to, to yeah to, to control a game of course it, it wasn't like oh you need to buy this because it makes better people were like oh okay i can now move on two different axes and have two inputs that's fantastic yeah yeah, Please it, continue to do this. I'm not. It's not like this game was specifically made for controller. Your experience with a controller will be excellent. Mm. I just feel like I don't know. I'm not, we're, we've gone from rambling about Arnold Schwarzenegger to rambling about VR. See, this is a diverse fucking podcast. I'm just getting all all the avenues of meaningless thought. So, Half Life Alex, 
great game, great VR game, and truly it is a game for VR. So pick it up if you have a VR headset, pick it up if you're into Half-Life. I'm neither of those things, so I won't be getting it. Last game, Indie Spotlight. This time, I'm not going to plague your mind with thoughts of giant dildo monsters. We're going to talk about Left on Red from Western Bell Geddes or Geds. This was released on 19th of May 2020. And it is free right now on Steam. I kind of, I suppose I'll describe it as a story platformer. Essentially, you play a little a little box that is jumping between the text conversation bubbles of two people. You're like a, it's like a blank space, and you have these two text boxes that come up, and it's like a, a backwards and forwards conversation. And every now and then, you get to pick your response by jumping to a specific text box. So it's a little bit of a choose your own adventure too, but it's centered around a guy and a girl who met before the pandemic. So it's set right now. They met before the pandemic and then the lockdown has forced them to other sides of the USA. So the only way they can communicate is via text. So you experience a, a kind of like a, like a budding romance happening over text and you get to you know, feel uh, the, the, the protagonist's doubt as to whether or not he's hanging too much hope on this, whether he should be investing more, investing less, his, um, his fear of exposing his feelings to her. And it was, I I played through it. It was a really fun little experience. And I think anyone who has ever texted a crush will resonate with this game hugely. Yeah, I'm, I'm someone who conducted a relationship previously, primarily over text. So, mm. you know, there's some points where you say something in the game or you jump on a, a bubble that, has some kind of significance like oh, I, I miss you and then the game doesn't do anything for maybe 30 seconds and then that those typing that the typing like the, the little yeah someone's typing bubbles yeah that that comes up and the ellipsis yeah that feel you know it's like a feeling you it was odd to kind of get that feeling recreated where you're like oh shit what are they gonna say and i, I was quite into it you know i found myself groaning and being like no come on man just tell her how you feel like oh god you should say that or like don't be so needy because sometimes you jump on a bubble and he gets like spooked and then he'll delete what he's saying and put something else in and i i I enjoyed it thought it was fun currently free definitely worth a a check out and it was i think this is either like a, a a university project or this person's first game that they're kind of dumping up online and it, it was great in terms of storytelling, you know, as a, as a first attempt. It, it was really good. It was really good. Definitely, definitely recommend. And that's it for the releases. I've got nothing to ramble on about for that last one. So uh, you had to cut me off. I was going to say we could go back to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but we haven't got the time. <laughs> we'll save that for the, uh, for the Arnie cast. Yeah, for the, for the 80 quid tier Patreon for the Arnie <laughs> podcast. <laughs> So now that I've stopped almost telling you about the releases, but mainly talking about unrelated things, Sam is going to talk to us about the news and the wider world of gaming. So Sam, what is uh, cracking off? I shall tell you now. So we're going to start as the one. I do want to get into the big one immediately, but I'm Mm. going to keep you salivating for that one. Okay. Because I think it'd be a good one to 
to end on as well. So I'm going to start with, with what I consider to be the smallest. So more Twitch news. We love a good old Ooh, okay. Twitch chat on our podcast, and it seems to be just, I don't know, a, a, a calling of mine to, to always report on what they're doing. But a week ago, Twitch announced that they were going to create a, quote, safety advisory council, which is apparently going to address the issues of moderation, work-life balance, and, again, in quotes, marginalized communities. Okay. Yeah, there's been a, an official press release from Twitch and it said that the council is going to focus on uh, a number of things, which is going to include, quote, drafting new policies and policy updates, developing products and features to improve safety and moderation, promoting healthy streaming and work-life balance habits, protecting the interests of marginalized groups and identifying emerging trends that could impact the Twitch experience. Now, that's a very good business professionally press release. I don't exactly know. I mean, we're probably not the best people to get involved on in that because we're not exactly Twitch people. That might mean something to people or someone that's involved in the Twitch community a bit deeper than we are. Mm. But yeah, I didn't quite know... I'm sure Twitch, like any sort of public platform that people make content, has had its issues with people making stuff that's too risque or offensive or whatever. But I don't know if that has happened. That hasn't, other than a few cases, it hasn't breached into the, I guess, global news forum. I don't know if you'd agree with that. It hasn't, if it has, yeah. hasn't been aware to me. I mean, I understand the healthy streaming and work life balance stuff you know if you're mm. a streamer i know some of them go to i don't know they'll, they'll stream for like 20 hours straight and they'll do that like multiple days a week and end up injuring themselves but i don't really know what i mean i i suppose just it's just trying to cut down on the toxic atmosphere of twitch like maybe less trolls less negative raids less harassment you know i guess yeah and i guess on they made They've been having a bit of a shake-up of late because I don't think it was the last episode. I think it was the one before where we spoke about them, uh, the new tools for the Twitch chat and the moderators, the stuff they could do. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is just an extension of that. Maybe they've got like a, a roadmap of what they want to do in terms of making Twitch. Uh, I mean, everybody wants to be the fucking Disney channel, right? And wants to be the family-friendly place where kids come and spend shitloads of money. I think you know, Twitch want is... To be live youtube in a way twitch is happy to be to be both really right it, it it has its not not necessarily not safe for work streams although it probably does have those as well but it has like you know more adult streams of swearing and stuff and then it has your more i don't know i don't even know minecraft let's plays level of so you, you said it just before i did that was exactly yeah. i was gonna say yeah <laughs> i i think it's got I think it's got both. I think maybe it just wants to be viewed as less of a, a wild west. Yeah, that, that's that's a fair statement. I guess that I guess with it being alive, they can't take it back. So YouTube, obviously, you can it's VOD, so they can take stuff down or strike it up or stop it before it get before it gets there, almost mm. or at least before it's seen for a wide view of people. But I guess Twitch is is happening, so. Can't stop it coming out of someone's mouth, so you need to identify the the bad people immediately. 
yeah, just just safeguards for the, the streamers and the people who are pro- providing content and also the people consuming it, which you know, yeah. no bad thing. No, yeah, fair play to them. The council is going to be made up of like a cut, a pretty diverse range of people. So there's the three well-known streamers that I've got on there are Co Carnage, Cup of Noodles, and Zazarian. I don't know any of those people. Me neither. But well done to them for being well-known streamers. Someone called T.L. Taylor, who's the author of Watch Me Play, which apparently is a book about Twitch. And yeah. Emma, I don't know, she's got two L's in her name, so I'm going to say La 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 Lanzo. Maybe it's a Welsh... Hanzo. I think her. She's got um, an accent on the O, so I think she might be uh, Spanish actually. Or oh, okay, I'm not sure how you do or, the Spanish. Or Latin American. Hanzo. Hanzo. Who leads the U.S. Center for Democracy and Technology, which sounds like a hell of an organization. Whoa. And she focuses on quotes freedom of expression. Hmm. Uh, but there's a little bit of backroom politicking because apparently that censor is funded by the Koch family who I believe or maybe have got the down a lot of corporate pies um, people like Facebook and Amazon so hmm. do do with that information what you will and think of it what you will I've put as like a, a thinking point will this full time council have any effect on Twitch's past problems Matt has very eloquently pretty much kind of addressed that in, in what we've said so if if you think it will if you think this is what Twitch needs or if you know what Twitch needs maybe you're the Twitch guru who knows what they can do to fix anything that they've got going on, if they have any problems going on. Shoot them off in the comments. Let mm-hmm. us know. Uh, my next one, there's been a few... Well, I've, I've, I was very proud of the, the title I give it. I should be a headline writer. Uh, I've put Attack <laughs> of the Clones. I appreciate it. Thank you. Ubisoft and Disney have had to sue over some, some clones going up, so we'll start with the less insane one. Okay. Ubisoft have gone after Google the game Area F2 which is currently on the Google Play and Apple App Store and the game is pretty much a carbon copy of Rainbow Six Siege which Ubi is kind of it's the it's, I think they don't think it's too far of a thing to say it's their main multiplayer like champion series right? As you can think of any I'm blatantly missing that? Not really I mean it's it's probably the biggest online. It's probably one they're making. They're making the most money off of. I'd imagine. Yeah, it's the only one that has that that model that we all know, we all know and love mm. the Fortnite model. Yeah, and I've seen a few screenshots and stuff of like the way the game looks and the way the the score and screen and stuff like that. And they, they're, I'll be honest, I thought they were the same thing. So it's not. It, was, it, it isn't was, just like a in, heavily inspired by its direct. No, 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 no. It's very much. <laughs> Very much a clone. The game is created by eJoy.com, which are a Chinese company, and by Alibaba, mm-hmm. which, for those who don't know, Alibaba is basically Chinese Amazon. But yeah, they filed the, uh, Ubisoft filed the lawsuit, and they've called the, the game, quotes, a near-carbon copy. So, And if you've seen the screenshots, you would be hard-pressed to, to disagree with them. Ubisoft apparently reached out to Google and Apple and asked them to remove the game, but both of them pretty much point-blank refused. I mean, if it's making them money... Unless the courts are going to get involved, right? It's they don't really have a reason to. It's a bit of a weird area because I don't know where, as a storefront, you you step in. I think it would have to, like you said, it would have to be deemed 
to similar like a, like a legal yeah like a legal legal matter i think and then they could pull it yeah i mean do you, it's weird because you know that immediately in my head i think should google apple and google should be doing something about this hmm. i mean can they have well, think... but as as a big corporation do they do they owe that responsibility to people i don't really it's kind of a gray area i think like, i kind of i kind of think they do but i don't know if that's me being harsh if you went to like pound shop or a b&m bargains i'm pretty sure i could find a toy of like mighty morphin power blokes or something you know what i mean yeah. like you you can find knockoff stuff wherever you go and i wouldn't complain to b&m in that instance you know what i mean like if i was a copyright lawyer i would go to the person who was producing the the infringing material so I guess it does make sense that Google and Apple aren't acting because then they're, they're making themselves an authority in what is original, which they shouldn't yeah, do. Yeah, I get they're not. Yeah, they're not the people to be saying what is and what isn't. There was a big uh, thing with okay the, in the situation that Overwatch uh, clone that came out of China as well um, a couple of years oh, back. Yeah. Right, that was being yeah. sold for a while, mm. and a couple of Counter Strike clones as well. Yeah, anything that becomes popular and that has a, I guess, an easy to copy formula and stuff like that is going to be people are going to go for it, right? And you've just got to. Um, you've got to hope they just don't do it as well. Yeah, that's how certain, yeah. certain economies thrive is by just doing it cheaper, but it won't have the same kind of quality. But then they'll move on to the next thing that they can copy. Tell you what, though, if this was Nintendo, they'd be going after this hard. You wouldn't stand a chance. No, they go after fucking anything. Even wearing a red cap too much. Yeah, they'll be like, they ripped it off. Didn't they try and... Yeah, didn't, didn't they try and, like, copyright the phrase, it's on like Donkey Kong? Yes. I think and you were like, if, that. if you say it, you say it, you owe us money. It's like when OJ Simpson, didn't he tried to um, own the copyright for, like, Orange Juice, OJ, calling Orange Juice OJ. Yeah. How, how, how on God's green earth do you police <laughs> that? I think that's the thing. I think, like, we were like, okay... We understand what you're saying, but you're insane. Yeah. Because how... Yeah, how do you... I'm going to install a microphone in every house, and whenever I hear someone say OJ, I'm going to make a little mark, make a little checkbox. (laughs) I'll charge you at the end of the year. Also, who's paying you for it? Where does the money come from? Anyway, enough about OJ Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) God, the people we've covered, the, the places we've been, from Arnie to OJ, that should be the the tagline. That'd be that's that's what are going to be the new uh, new podcast name from Arnie to OJ. Disney has had a similar kind of experience, albeit a bit darker. Uh, okay. They've issued a DMCA, a DMCA takedown. Excuse me, DMCA standing for Digital Management Copyright Act, uh, for a number of Club Penguin clones that have kind of popped up. One specifically that's kind of gone a bit. It's a bit of a, a weird, dark place. First of all, Matt, you aware of what Club Penguin is, just to make sure? Club Penguin? Yeah. Yes, it's some game from like the MySpace era of web yeah. games, right? Where you'd be a penguin and, and they hang out. It's like a kid-friendly, safe social media before there was kind of social media stuff on it, where it's like a, a chatting or chat room, sorry, not kind of social media stuff. Okay. Is it a bit like Habbo Hotel? Yeah, yeah. 
a, like a, a more, I guess like MSN, but a bit more involved. Like you could like have your own character and avatar and stuff, and just, I think you could do activities and that sort of stuff and chat with people. But yeah, it was actually picked up uh, by the BBC. The Club Penguin Online, which is a fan site that was set up uh, in 2017 after the original Club Penguin website was closed down, been used for like just really illicit stuff. So kids are going on that thinking they're still being visiting this like a spiritual successor to Club Penguin and it uses pretty much the same kind of assets. But yeah, there's like that. You just get people going in there saying racist stuff, saying anti-Semitic stuff, sharing images of like porn and all that kind of stuff that, you know, kids should obviously not be exposed to in any way, especially when they're not going on there for anything like that, you know? It's going to be both a shock to them yeah. and parents and, you know. The, the, the main thing I don't get about this is, is why. That's the main question I put is that you know, you've got obviously fairly deranged or disturbed people that are running this site or have, t- or have taken control of this site, doing pretty unusual things to kids. But I don't, I don't know what they're getting from it. You know, they're not, they're not exposed because they can't, because they'll, they'll be arrested. From what I know, they're not making any money from it because I don't think that you have to pay to use Club Penguin, or at least not this version of it. Hmm. I just don't get what the reward is for them. But maybe I'm not. I'm not of that mindset, so I don't know. Maybe it's just like a, maybe it's just trolls being trolls. I guess a troll satisfaction, thinking you're a part of some kind of counterculture that is isn't this funny. I'm yeah, I'm I saying edgy stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's just if you want to say that stuff, you can go to like have the courage to go and sign up for the actual porn sites that you can chat about that stuff. The people who agree that this is what the subject topic is. Why yeah. you've got exposed kids to it? I don't know. Doing it around kids is just completely unnecessary and entirely scummy. There's just no point. Yeah, so that one just got me a little bit mad, but it, it fit in with the the clone theme of. Uh, I just thought it was, it was interesting that two of those things happened in the same close proximity of time. But now, oh. this is where it gets juicy. You've I've, had your, I've been you've had your bread, you've had your your soup, and now I'm wheeling out a big old juicy turkey to get your teeth into feed, it feed me feed me the turkey so i actually watched a video on this and I've, this is where i've actually got a fair bit of the information from from so i don't exactly how to say his name but i'm gonna call him penguin zero which might ring a bell to people he's also known as moist moist critical he's been around i kind of originally discovered him through the pro slash semi-pro smash scene he's, he's a big smash and he's done uh, i don't know if you've seen him out but he's been running the quarantine series I have, I've, uh, I've seen that he's done a, he's done a few, yeah. Yes, I think he's he's put up like the prize money for that, and he's done a pretty good job of, I guess, developing the infrastructure for online tournaments. And I kind of hope it it definitely won't replace real tournaments, but I think it shows that it can be done, mm-hmm. even though it is Smash's netcode isn't isn't great. But regardless, so yeah, people may have seen it from that, and this is where it was first brought to my attention. And Matt then did suggest that I should cover it as well because it's a pretty juicy topic, and I did I did agree. So this is about the culling, which may have been, people listening to this may have been aware of, it's kind of come out in the last couple of weeks, that Xaviant is, so they've had to defend the way they're going to release the culling. I've put the culling origins, but that's wrong. It's a re-release of the original culling. Mm-hmm. 
So they've had to come and defend the way that they've gone about implementing the uh, microtransactions and just the way the game is kind of set up. So taking it back to the beginning, because Matt is actually a culling, an original culling player, an OG culling back when it was good. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, when it was first released, I, I picked it up. I wasn't, I was never great at it, uh, but I, I enjoyed playing it. It's one of the few uh, BRs that I uh, I got into. I, I, I enjoyed the melee combat, the, the kind of melee bent of the of the interactions. It was kind of fun to be um, be good at that kind of thing. It was enjoyable. I sank maybe about 50, 60 hours into it. Uh, it used to make me rage like a mother. As most BRs do, but yeah, good game. Would would recommend buying it about six years ago. <laughs> what a review! <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, pretty much as Matt said, there the first calling was released. It was the first kind of BR game that kind of kicked off that craze. Uh, it was well received; people liked it. As Matt said, it people grabbed it towards the the fact that it was focused on sort of like hand to hand and personal combat rather than just getting sniped from half a map away. So that success all happened. Game was chugging along. 2018 rolls around, and the Culling 2 was just kind of it's it was just announced. So people didn't people weren't again as far as I know clambering for a Culling 2. It was just kind of announced, and then it was put out there. And people, I think, were really disappointed in that it was just a bad PUBG clone. And bear in mind, PUBG was not the most stable. I mean, what it was a game that was in beta for. An insane amount of time, or whatever they technically class it as. But yeah, it was it was basically PUBG, but just worse in every department in terms of functionality, graphics, mechanics, everything you can name. Basically, it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. Games needed thirty people minimum to start, and after after nineteen hours of the game being released, the game had one player, which was which was Penguin Zero because he was making the video for it. So he was just in in purgatory of of a lobby, and apparently only eight matches ever took place. So. Pretty, pretty much the worst thing ever released. It's a pretty shocking launch. Yeah, that's uh, about yeah, as bad like as we give full light, We give Fallout 76 some shit, but sit back down. Uh, the Culling 2 has you, uh, has you covered. Anyway, the, at that point, game was killed off by Xavier and people were given the refunds, rightly as they should. I don't know how much they were selling it for. But it's good on way, them to do it, though, right? They, they, at least they, they did the, the noble thing and was like, okay, have your money back. Like the minimum possible thing you could have done, but they they did do it. Yeah, no one's lost that at least. Uh, I mean, he's, he's financially. Hmm. They then re-released the original Culling as the Culling Origins as a free-to-play title that was promptly shut down in early 2019. So again, they they tried to do the game again, mm-hmm. as in the original Culling didn't work, and now they're bringing it back again, but this time it's only going to be on Xbox. It's six dollars to download, which I didn't probably what fiver in in pounds. Yeah. And initially, you were limited to one match a day for free, and now this has been extended now uh, to ten matches. What? Uh, and to it, in order to play more matches, you have to win matches to get win to get match tokens. So if you win a game, you get another free a free play token, uh, or you can buy token packs and the packs go from to get a three pack you get it's a dollar 10 pack is three dollars 20 packs five dollars and you can also get an unlimited online pass so you can play as many times as you want for 
a week, which is $2, or a month, which is $6. The main thing of that is that if the game tanks like the previous one did, if you've paid $6 for 30 days but no one's playing and you've got that, if it's retained that 30-player minimum start, you're, you're never going to get to play a game. Hmm. So you, you, it's kind of... You know, there's no guarantees on the time they'll actually get, and at the same time, they don't also owe you for that. It's it's pretty much the worst economy model I've ever heard of. There's there's predatory microtransactions, and then there's like this actively dissuades players from playing. Right? Yeah. It's, it's like a it's like a, a mechanism to put people off playing the game. And after you could only play eight matches of their previous release, wouldn't you think we want as much player fo- flow as possible? You want as you many people playing? You think they do whatever you could to get your player base up so you think you'd lower the wall as low as possible or make it non-existent at all. You'd make no barrier to play. Yeah, and it like the... <laughs> Surely, the minimum you should expect from a game that you pay for is to be able to play it. I mean... Right? That seems reasonable. I mean, yes. <laughs> you would. But clearly not if you work at Xavier. So maybe you're not cut out for a career at Xavier, Matt. I'm sorry. Uh, right, I'll, I'll be a dustman or something. But yeah, there was, so there's an article as well that I've read on, um, on PC Gamer that so this is, this is a quote from, I think his name is Josh Van Velt, who's the, the director of operations mm-hmm. uh, as Avian. Um, much longer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you said it on me. He said, quote, in retrospect, it was really obvious that one was not going to give us the flow of players. But you have to remember, we're kind of terrified of everybody coming back, overloading the servers, costing us a ton of money and not spending anything. So we're afraid to turn that dial. What a fucking stupid thing to say. It's like saying, oh, we were, we were worried that we were going to have to work really hard and we are going to have to pay loads of money. So we wanted to ensure that we didn't have to work that hard and we would get a lot of money. It just seems like what... Okay. Who, well, who... He's, right. <laughs> he, they're releasing it only for Xbox One. So let's, let's, let's take this apart, right? He's afraid about server loads. Right, so mm. if they're releasing it for Xbox One first, increase the price to nine ninety nine, get rid of all the dumb crap with matches per day. Yeah, so you've just doubled the price, but you still mm. only have the Xbox One market, which is much lower. Which probably yeah, say which is probably like even going PS Four would have probably been better because. I mean, as much as I don't, I don't like to admit it. Xbox has pretty much lost this console generation; it's gone. Like it, it lost it a while ago, and the the player base and stuff is is not there. So maybe maybe they are trying to I guess expand it exclusive, but yeah, it's a it's a definitely a smaller market for sure. So you start with Xbox, then you move on to you know cross play it with PC or whatever, and then cross play it through to PlayStation, and you just have a staggered release so that you can make sure your servers can take it. What he said there is just complete ass, and he's trying to backtrack on the dumbest monetization system that anyone could ever conceive of. And I've seen Battlefront 2. So that's, you know, it's just yeah, ridiculous. Like people, there are games that haven't gone 
this far. It's like you said, Battlefront 2. And, you know, each, there's been some shitty move that certain games have made where people have very vocally voiced their opinions that they're not happy about. You know, we see what you're doing and we don't like it. And then even then, the company's been like, all right, yeah, you got us. We were trying to, you know, squeeze your wallet as hard as we could. So they put it back to either how it was before or made it even better and made it easier for people to do stuff. So why, like, and well-documented in the gaming world. So why, in the name of Christ, would you push a model like this? Just make, it's just, just make a battle pass, right? Have a 30-day battle yeah. pass. Don't make the game the battle pass. If you pay for something, you should have access to it. It's, this is like the, the end point of this kind of thinking. Right? It's, it's, yeah, surely this is like the, the linchpin. That... It's as far as you can go with like this kind of monetization scheme. It's not, you know, the, the lowest level is like cosmetics or something. And then you mm. get, you know, balance changing items in a game. Then you get, or, and somewhere in there you've got battle passes maybe around the cosmetics, in between cosmetics and uh, balance changing. And then you have literally, oh, then you've got DLCs, you know, after that having extra content that some people have access to and some people don't. And then you have literally being unable to play the game unless I pay for the game every month. Yeah, and it's... Granted, it's, it's cheaper, but it's still absolute bollocks. It's insulting in, in, to me that they'll come along and say, oh, I'll pay £3 and then you get three games for free. Well, it's not, is it? You, you can't abstract the price I'm paying for this. Those are connected. That's what I'm paying for. It's not like I'm paying three, three quid and you're giving me three free games. I'm paying three pounds for three games. Or whatever the, you know, the price of whatever you'd say. I think that's what's insulting. They're trying to sell you it like it's an amazing deal. Yeah. It's uh, it, silliness. They, I it don't know how they're going to recover Annoyed and, and confused me. I didn't... But yeah, I get... I, you know, I think the thing that the Penguin brought up in his video is that it's insane because they've released the same game three times and, and failed pretty spectacularly every time. I just don't... I don't know how they're still going. No, yeah, you had you know, the, the culling. Culling 2 sucked. Then the culling Origins, which is the culling again, and it didn't take off. And now they're doing it again. It's just insane. Why not actually make the culling 2 but update the old culling? You know, it... it there was some yeah. jank with the melee system, maybe add some other, I don't know, other weapons or something. You know, make better maps, have object, more objectives and just don't die, get to the centre. Also, that, that channel isn't, uh, they're like official Zabian Games YouTube channel. It's only got like 3,000 or so subscribers. Mm. And they had, um, I think maybe not last week, but the week before, or sometime in that, in that time frame, the announcement for the culling and where all this kind of information came out the video, the like to dislike ratio was, I think, like 600 and some likes and like 34,000 dislikes. I'm really not surprised. Like, ga- gamers aren't that stupid. No, if anything, they're one of the more switched on communities. You know, like, like we said, we, we can see when you're trying to, you know, this isn't our first rodeo, we can see when you're trying to fuck us over. Mm. You know, and if people were more straight up and say like, "This is how we're going to do it. This is what we've got to pay for. This is what you don't. This is what you're going to get free." Laid out on the table, I think people would be okay with it, or at least more accepting. Yeah. But, but when they're like, 
we're, we're giving you a great deal here, you know? Hmm. Like, like Fortnite, right? Fortnite has a lot of monetization in the game. But I could go on the Epic Game Store, download it now, and just and play it, play it with, with every aspect of the game there, and not pay anything. Mm. You know, that, it's just insane that they didn't... Wait, Mario Kart Tour, that had kind of almost a similar sort of thing going on, didn't it? We had to like... Uh, yeah. We've covered it and it shows that we don't remember the stuff we wrote. It was... Well, I don't remember. It was, you got to play for so many hours or something. Yeah, it had like a... A like... day, or you got to do so many races, which everyone came first. But that was free, I think is the difference. Yes. Yeah. Like you could, you, every day you could log on and play, I don't know, let's say 10 races or something. And then if you subscribed, quote unquote, to it, that's what, that's what everyone wants, right? Everyone wants a subscription model for their game because that guarantees revenue. That's what they want. Yeah. But nobody's found, well, there's some people that have found a way to do it, but there's few places that are doing it well. And even like, as like, pay real world money encouraging like things like fifa is to uh, to buy the packs you can at least you know obviously it's a it's a one-time purchase to play you don't have to pay anything more to play uh ultimate team online hmm. that's within the game you are you can play the game normally earn currency yes it is skewed definitely more towards like it's like 100 fifa points to buy a gold pack versus like I think it's like 7,500 coins, which, I don't know, that's maybe 10 matches at least. So, you know, it's definitely skewed more towards buying the stuff to get to pay for the packs. But you can at least do it. It's all there within the game. You don't have to, mm. you know? It's just, it was just bewildering. And, you know, I could, I could talk about it for another 20, 30 minutes, but I feel like we should cut it off there. Wrap, wrap that up. If you were a fan of the original Culling and you've been on this journey from the time feel free to let us know what you think because i'm sure people want to maybe play the original culling again or want an experience like that but they just refuse to give it to them well they, they'll give it to me i'll pay like eight times yeah they'll, they'll give it to you for uh 10 pound a month or something apparently mm-hmm. so i'm gonna shut up about that now because as I said, I could go on for many more minutes, but we're going to move to the question, which this week is, have we set and or achieved any goals within this quarantine lockdown period? And I'm going to throw it over to Matt. Thanks. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I think I want to say, before I talk about like what I have or haven't done, I think setting goals at this time is important. So I, I don't want this to seem uh, like we're making levity of the situation, but it when you have nothing else to do, you know, we're, we're all stuck at home. I can't go more than a mile away from my house right now. And in Wales, I think in Wales, we're still only allowed out once a day to exercise. Yeah, yeah, you're you're more restricted than than I am. So I, I you know, I'm I'm staying in a lot. So trying to organize your mind and have things to focus on is really helpful. And at first, one of, one of the points I put is that I really didn't do that. You know, when you I've I've been furloughed for a month 
Two months? Months and a half? Months and a half. Uh, two months at the end. Of, well, I've been on slightly longer than you, but yeah. So I, I've not had work to do, and I, I'm also a master's student, so I, I did have uni, uni work to do at first, and I did, I did got through my hand in, but that hand in was basically a month ago. So I've, I've not really had anything to really kind of focus my mind on for about a month, I'd say. So you have like silly stuff, like watching Marvel movies that me and Fran went through all the Marvel films. And that was fun, a fun distraction. I did, did like I said, did my uni hand in. And that was quite nice because I could kind of portion that out and have something to, it made me feel useful. Like I was really focusing on something that was, felt work-like. Mm. Um. I exercise. I've been exercising every day for the past uh, month and a bit. So I do, I do an hour and usually incorporate a run in there most of the time. I I got Filmora a while ago and I've slowly been moving over to using that more. I now use it for, for the speech check episodes. Slightly easier to get on board with. I was using Blender before and you just need to have be a bit more... You just need to have more knowledge, essentially. It's, it's less novice-friendly, and Filmora is, is quite just, just drag-and-drop. So I've been using that a bit more, and I'm I'm slightly better with it. I'm, I would not describe myself as a good editor. I think I'm completely average. Like, I do, the, I do the audio edit for speech check, and I get the video ready and do the upload and stuff, but I don't really have to do anything. You know, I'm just rendering it out. I, don't, I mean, I've done a, a couple of other, like, silly videos and stuff, but nothing... No, no serious... Uh, overheads on on the editing front, I suppose you'd say. You did a decent job, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, from I think it, it, somebody's got a, a fringe knowledge of that kind of stuff. It, it's at the very least it's serviceable, but I think it's decent. I think that's that's the thing. I'm, I'm it's down the line. You know, I mean, I'm not like going crazy. There's no motion tracking. There's no crazy graphics. I'm not doing anything mental. It's just kind of cuts, edits, fades. You know, all that normal mm. stuff. I've, I really want to start looking at Unreal properly. Uh, I've got a few... I've got a, a Udemy course I've started... I kind of started and dropped off doing to, to learn Unreal. And I, I'm okay in editor. So I'm, I'm like comfortable in the Unreal editor. Like I, I could build a level, for example. And I, I know how to do that. That's not very hard. Anyone who's actually skilled with Unreal knows that that's quite simple. But people who don't, it can be quite an, quite an overwhelming... Um, piece of software there's just a lot of options like when you open it up there's about there's like six different screens in screens you've got menus all over the place options it just like it makes you like numb there's so there's so much information and i'm at the point where i can use the editing screen and build stuff but i really really need to get to grips with the blueprinting system because i don't understand code i can't code so i've been trying to like I don't know. It's, it sounds strange to say, but like build up the courage to start really investing myself into that. And I, and I haven't been so great at, at doing that. It's, I find it kind of overwhelming. So I, I avoid it. And I do other smaller stuff. Like I do this and that for Vox. I do little posts and stuff and I edit this down. This is quite a nice focusing task because it's, it's research for maybe about three hours. Then we record a bit behind the scenes research for three hours. I'd say each, I think that's I think that's a fair time estimate for yeah. speech check. Yeah, roughly. Then we record, and the recording maybe takes two, two and a half hours. And then I'll edit. Every, yeah. I'll, I'll edit for maybe 
two three hours and then a render takes about a half hour and then there's an upload as well but so that is, it's like a, a multi-stage process is quite satisfying to to get yourself into and i've done this and that around the house as well like our garden is a bit of a tip to be honest because some do you know there's some mofo that lives near us that keeps on dumping rubbish in between our fence and a wall and it's bowing our fence. There's so much crap down there that Jesus. It's... I thought you meant as in like a few bags of stuff. But if it's that much, no, it, it, we noticed it before the lockdown happened. It, it cracked through the bottom of our fence, and a bunch of like shattered glass just like fell out into our back garden. So I, I collected it up. I've called, I told the council like three times, and they just won't won't collect it. It's but... not not only just like waste, dangerous waste. It's like household waste, like just gross stuff. Like uh, I mean. Um what should I say, like builder's stuff, you know what I mean? It's like mm. ceramic thing is, though, if, plasterboard. Um, like, if there's a bit of, you know, there's nothing to stop either one of your cats going and, like, eating a piece of glass in the back garden. Or, They're, like, cutting their foot or something like that. They might, yeah, they might cut their foot. I, I try, I, I cleaned up all the stuff, so was, and I put, like, a chair in front of it to try and, like, stop to put the cats off going, going over there. And generally, in my experience of cats, this might be, you know, tell me different, anyone who's got cats. My experience with cats is they tend to not eat weird stuff so much. They'll eat grass and hair because they do, but they're not like, you know, like a dog will literally eat anything. Anything, yeah. <laughs> Fran was telling me the other day that she used to live with someone who had a, a husky and there was a time where <laughs> her mate had to pull a pair of tights out of her husky's asshole because it <laughs> it had eaten them and it couldn't poop them all the way out. So it was just running around with like a semi-digested set of tights hanging out of his bum hole. But cats don't do I'd, that. I'd, yeah, but I'd still pick a dog any day. I'll get out of here. No, yeah. let's, not have this, let's not have this conversation now. Are we going uh, Arnie to OJ to cat or dog person? Yeah, you know I'm a dog person. I don't, I don't mind your cats. I, I, I used to hate cats, but uh, I definitely warmed to them okay. as we got older. That can be our, our other offshoot. We can have a, an animal cast. Mm. so yeah we sorted out the weeds in the garden uh and i tried to reseal the shower because it like leaks a little bit into the kitchen and let me tell you let me let me do you want to do a top tip right now go on definitely watch a youtube video on how to use sealant before trying to use sealant i shall do you know i don't think i'll get that far i'm not going to use sealant so i thought i was like oh this would just be like like um cork like that the the filling paste stuff you just like just squeeze it on let it dry yeah it'd be all right so i you know I, I fill up the bath so that it drops you know that's a little little bit of insider knowledge you fill the bath up you get i was stood in it and i was like right i've got my little gun i prepped up i start pooping the sealant onto the onto the place where it needs to go and it just wasn't sticking to it so i had like a little i had like a uh, a toilet paper tube that i'd kind of like rolled up to be like a, a, a spatula Mm. I was like, okay, and it it basically very quickly became like a scene from Mr. Bean, where I was like putting sealant onto the thing. It wasn't sticking, so I was trying to like wipe it with this piece of cardboard, but then it was just sticking to the cardboard. So I was putting more on, and the more I was putting on, it was then sticking to what was already stuck to the cardboard. And I got to the point where I was like using my hands, <laughs> I was trying to like force this sealant into this thing and then it was all stick to my hands i ended up shouting for fran and she came in and i'm like i like like half deep in the in cold bath water my hands just covered in sealant mm. and i was like 
Like this has gone wrong. Okay, let's let's not dwell on it. No, yeah, don't judge me. Just help me. I just need help right now. And I put, I was like, all right, I need to wash this off, right? So I dunk my hands in the water, and I'm like, I'm trying to like, I don't know, like you know, just like wash your hands like you would with soap. Mm. Dunk them in, and I've it's water resistant silicon. So I'm just like rubbing water resistant silicon all over my hands in water. And what do you know? When I pull them out, they're exactly the same. And the water's just like beading off of my hands. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> shit. So I had to get, I had to get, um, we had to get nail varnish remover and I had to just cover my hands in nail varnish remover. That was the only way to get it off. Mm. No, but uh, that was, I did try using a washing up brush. Which was oh. kind of working for a, for a bit, but ended up just covered in sealant. Anyway, yes, I've achieved some things during lockdown. Um, mainly, but you've but you've also been humbled by a bath. I have, I have, I have a new appreciation for handymen. That's what I'm going to say. A simple job is never as simple as it looks, and definitely look up how to use stuff before you do it. Uh, it's only simple if you know what you're doing. Isn't it? Yeah. And I'm excited to get back into D&D. That's another thing. But yes, Sam, I'm going to shut up. What, what about you? So like yourself, I had a similar thing of like um, just trying to do something, if not useful, quote unquote, to be like productive. So I have a thing if I try and do at least like one productive thing a day, mm-hmm. and that might... I'm, I'm pretty broad in what that productive thing is, so... Sometimes I'll have a day where I'll just do like domestic stuff. Danielle's still working from home at the moment, and that doesn't, I don't think she'll get a chance to be furloughed. Um, and I'm in the position where I am, so I don't have anything pressing. So I've kind of become a house husband, which I pretty much did the majority of stuff anyway. I do a lot of the domestic stuff just because I don't generally mind doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit, I'm. Probably a bit more orderly than most people would think. As much as I'm quite laid back, I like my my home to be in order. So I'm doing like, you know, one day is I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'll just do the washing up today. And as long as I've done the washing up, that's fine. But generally, that turns into I'll do the washing up and I'll do like a load of washing. I'll go shopping or something. Anything that's like I can think, okay, I can live with myself today and not just sat around in my pants. Hmm. I've tried as well to do stuff. So obviously you know this, but probably a lot of the people who are listening won't. That I do my writing as well. Mm-hmm. Written for a couple of different websites and written gaming articles for them. My primary one is What Culture, which you know it's not. It's definitely not. It's not quite in the same journalistic realm as like the Financial Times. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a start, and it's you know it's a good thing where you can just have you know a catalogue of work that people can look through if I maybe one day would get a job at some kind of magazine or some other kind of website or web mm. so I've done I've done a couple of articles I'm working on one at the moment which I haven't started yet but I always try and have one that I've got at least either doing or have done so I also made I use a website called Journo Portfolio which just as opposed to having to link every single one of my articles in my online CV or whatever you'd thing you, you'd use to display that i can now just link to that and i can just show show my work in one place basically so i think you can only have like 10 articles on there but you just pick either your 10 most recent or you know you can chop and change there's a there's a premium plan you can use to show more but you know 
10 is enough for, for me. And you just, you would just generally pick your 10 best pieces of work or your 10 most diverse or whatever. Mm-hmm. In between that, I've done, I've actually got more into doing stuff for Vox. So as Matt mentioned in his answer, he does more of the editing and um, I guess more functionary, I guess, if you want to call it as that, as, as the more. Um, yeah, like the pra- practical, just ed- yeah. editing, uploading, that, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that. That kind of stuff. I maybe more do a, on the other side of that. I do maybe the more concepty stuff. I maybe have a lot of ideas that you know. I'm I'm very aware that every idea is an amazing you know light bulb idea, but I normally just chuck them out there and we uh, decide on what ones we're going to go with. We think we've got one literally whilst we were recording this mm. that we've decided that we're going to make our second bit of content, but that is yet to be seen. So if you've been following us on Facebook, which you definitely should, uh, you might have seen a few of the posts that have gone up, and we have promoted a few of the posts which we think would be a bit more wider reaching and had a bit more engagement. And they did, it's, it's a nice feeling when they do well. We had our Fun Fact Friday, which I'm going to do another one again today. Mm-hmm. Just a, you know, a little nice bit of content that you know, hopefully people will engage with. Not you know, amazing, but it, it actually did really well. It's just a any of that of, sort of stuff. Interesting guffins, isn't it? Just a little bit of interesting. Yeah, just you know, you can yeah, things that you can hopefully get people to interact and get chatting and stuff. Yeah, that sort of stuff generally comes to me, not always, but a few of the posts normally come from myself, which has been a good thing. I'm I'm more inclined to do that that kind of stuff. So I think it works well that we've within Vox if itself we've carved out the, the niche the niches that we prefer to do. Uh, luckily, there happen to be there aren't too many that overlap. We haven't normally got a fight over stuff uh, that we want to do, and I think generally the times where we have had opposing ideas to do stuff, we're, I think we're pretty good at knowing when to concede and when to to push it, right? And I think we respect, well, we both, yeah, we both compromise effectively. Yeah, so that that's helped in keeping keeping busy. I have made an, an effort to learn more Photoshop stuff and to learn more stuff from Premiere, but. This laptop's just not great, and I don't really have anything to use. It's like it's just not that powerful, so it's not always practical to do the stuff. I can learn it, but those kind of things you more have to to do to uh, kind of feel them out. Like you said, with kind of the unreal stuff, you kind of have to just get boots on the ground and just go for it. Yeah, you got to build up that courage to kind of run it. And yeah, I I, I take a lot of stuff from a lot of different sources. So I'm I'm on YouTube a majority of the time, and Use different people for different things. Matt and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but we're pretty big fans of Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever you might think of him, he's he's helped me like be more productive and just you know have a have a better outlook. And I've put being a better person, whichever that might or whatever that might mean. But I try and take his advice as much as I can. Maybe not some of his deep biblical talkings because they're a bit too far. For me, but uh, there's certainly some things that I think I can I take and puts me in the right mood to to get up and go. Um, a guy called Simon Sinek who does a lot of stuff on his is more focused around work stuff and it's like why people do stuff and you know finding your, not necessarily finding your passion because that's a bit cliche but it's just the the mentality to work I think he has is is. Or why people work and you know why you do stuff is is quite refreshing, and it 
hits home with me. So that might that might be something to check out. That's Simon Sinek. Uh, Sinek spelled S-I-N-E-K. I think it's worth checking out. A guy called Chris Voss, who is more about like he's like an ex FBI negotiator, so he's a pretty cool guy. And he, that's more just how to interact and not necessarily manipulate people to get your way, but like how to read body language. You know, if you're making people uncomfortable or if people are going to agree with you or how to maybe get people to listen to you. This might be a good thing to use if you, if you do a lot of public speaking, things like that. Um, one I very recently looked at was from a lecturer called Marty Lobdell, who has a video called Study Less, Study Smart, which I think it was, came out a few years ago. So I think it's, it's had its like viral time. But it's like how to, it's like learning how to learn almost. And that's really helpful. And that's helped me like portion out and pace my work. So it's like you basically do a small bit of studying and then have a little reward and then come back and then do it like that as opposed to trying to do huge marathon length sprints of, uh, of studying, mm. which is it basically explains why cramming for like a test or whatever, like the night before doesn't work. But yeah. One productive thing a day. That's what I've done. I think if you try and do everything, then you either get overwhelmed with all the stuff you have to do, or you do it all and you have nothing left to do for the other six days of the week. Hmm. Or you end up doing nothing because you think, I can't do all this. So that would be my advice. Pick one productive thing a day. Um, I'm definitely not exercising as much, and fair play, that Matt, that, that you are. But that's what I recommend to people. Try and do one productive thing a day, whatever that looks like and keep exercising that's my two main things yeah exercises for me it's it's a good way to like regulate my mood like i know that if i'm in a bad mood or if i'm frustrated running is a thing so i'd I'd like i'll run for i like pound out a three three to five k and then just generally feel better afterwards but i'm trying to do more resistance training and stuff and yeah i like i really like your advice of one productive thing a day just be be as good as you can be that day right and try and be slightly better than yesterday yeah if you can just think right at the end of the day what have i done today and you can name one thing that's enough yeah oh it was a it was a deep question was it 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 was it was deep so those were our lockdown goals and that was the question but matt what is the question for the next episode so question for next episode is what have we learned from video games slash gaming. So this is like real life applications. What what you've learned from gaming. How has it, I don't know, strengthened your character or taught you a new skill or maybe given you a new mindset on something in your life? What have, what have you learned from it? Or even just like pointless trivia that you picked up from it that you remember from games. Yeah. We I've got play, a couple of them. We all played Buzz, right? Remember that for the PS2? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the buzzer um, like quiz show game. Yeah. So that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Yeah, thanks for spending your time here with us, and keep an eye on Vox Ludio on YouTube and on Facebook. We we do slightly different stuff on Facebook, so it's worth keeping your eyes peeled there as well as our as well as our YouTube channel. Yeah, Matt posts links to the latest episode we've done and we try and we don't just try and regurgitate updates from that we also try and provide a bit more like social media specific content which we 
hope people can get involved in and actually want to get involved in. We've had, dare I say, some pretty decent success with the ones we've done previously. So Yeah, people seem to um, enjoy it. Yeah. We're a conversation about it in that. We're gonna be eventually adding to it. I think we're gonna look into doing having an Instagram social as well. Probably by I think we penciled it in for coinciding with episode twenty, I believe. I think that was the um, yeah, the, the rough timeline, yeah. We'll work on a website as well, but as we I think both quickly learned when we were looking into it, that even using like pre existing tools to build a website, it's just something we're both gonna have to or one of us at least is going to have to learn and do it that way because it's just it's not a straightforward venture there's a lot of uh no it's, it's... Lot of tools a lot of things you need to learn there's a reason it's a vocation yeah it's, it's it's a skill yeah so but yeah we'll definitely announce when all that stuff goes up any relevant links to stuff we talked about i'll put the original video of penguins talking about the culling uh in the description i'll put a few things i'll put the article from pc gamer as well uh Ray said some really stupid shit, and cool. you can laugh at it firsthand. But yeah, thanks for listening. We appreciate all the views and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see you on the next episode. Yep. Goodbye. Yeah,